0: baby yeah we got something we need a free square something to make it interesting Chuba Hubbard makes it interesting but it's also interesting that Christian McCaffrey's not going on short-term IR thanks to the NFL for finally doing the right thing and implementing a short-term IR this is great for the players that instead of being pressured into rushing themselves back because they have this active roster spot committed to players and they refused for many years to put players on the eight game IR or season ending IR makes sense, right? It makes sense that there would be this either overt or subtle pressure on players to get back on the field. Now that you have a three game IR, which is similar to the disabled list in baseball, now players have the opportunity to not count against the active roster for a full three weeks while they heal strained muscles, uh, ligaments, sprains, whatever it is. Right? This is good. This is a big step forward for the health and safety of the players that we now have this three-game injured reserve. And so it's so easy to put a player on three. It's just so easy, right? It's like instant. Like, oh, you're not quite 100%. Oh, take three games. We'll, we need that active roster spot anyway. Like, we, we'll, we'll use it, right? We'll promote someone. Or, or we don't want to risk putting player X on the practice squad. So it's great. It's a great thing. Why the NFL took this long to implement something like a three-game di- uh, disabled list, injured reserve, don't know. Don't know. Just happy they have it. But it does make this Christian McCaffrey non-demotion to injured reserve interesting, right? It makes it very interesting. Cause It, it tells me that there's a good chance he's back after just two weeks. Like, if you're not going to put me on injured reserve, I'm almost committing to you that you're going to hold this active roster spot for me. I got to come back with it, you know, within a week or two, or else you might as well have put me on the short-term IR. So now there's a clock in my head where I got to get my body right in two weeks. I think that's what's going on with Christian McCaffrey. And I don't like it. I don't like it. The team should have, whatever he wanted to do, the team should have overridden him and said, no, no, we care about you. We care about you being at 100% because we, we talked to Austin Eckler and what it was like to come back and play at less than 100%. It's dangerous, it's suboptimal. And we have this guy, Chuba Hubbard, who's good right? Chuba Hubbard's explosive. He was a 2,000-yard rusher in college. He's best comparable to Tevin Coleman, also a 2,000-yard rusher in college. And the difference is that Chuba Hubbard seems to be better equipped than Tevin Coleman to handle a more robust workload. When you look at the routes ran, that's probably the most important indicator of what this player's role is going to be and how relevant this player is going to be, what his upside is, in PPR leagues and fantasy football, specifically, when Chuba Hubbard is 5Xing Royce Freeman in Routes run out of the backfield after Christian McCaffrey's injury, that was the single stat that was most interesting to me, telling me, okay, unlike Denver, who used Royce Freeman as this bloated satellite back because for some reason Philip Lindsay couldn't Run the routes out of the backfield as well as Royce Freeman. Somehow, some way, Royce Freeman continued to be used on third down, even though Philip Lindsay was a more productive receiving back in college, also quicker and more explosive. Didn't matter. So I was thinking, okay, well maybe maybe Royce Freeman is just super slick out of the backfield in the passing game, and he's the natural fit to be the receiving back there, and and they could break it down into a specialist backfield. But no, 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 no. That's not what happened. No, it's not what, no, no, no. Chuba Hubbard got the vast majority of the carries, ran the routes out of the backfield. He was hogging the touches and the opportunities. Yes, there's going to be a week of practice where they can integrate Royce Freeman further. Chuba Hubbard's had more time with the team, right? Royce Freeman just arrived. So it makes sense that the Royce Freeman opportunity share is going to rise from week three to week four. I expect Royce Freeman's opportunity share to go from something like 25% to 35%. I'm not expecting Chuba Hubbard to be this entrenched bell cow from the rip in week four. It's possible, though. It's possible. And that upside, because it's out there and it's possible, you need to bid up to 75% of your remaining budget, your remaining fab dollars, free agent auction bidding dollars on Chuba Hubbard, if for no other reason than to prevent your league mates from getting him. So if you have Chuba Hubbard, not only are you able to play him at flex, you're also preventing your league mates from accumulating those fantasy points as well. So that's why you want to aggressively pursue Chuba Hubbard just for these two weeks, right? Even if it's just two weeks, it could be three, it could be four. Because it's Christian McCaffrey, they might say, you know what? He has the prestige on this franchise that we're going to go ahead and give him the benefit of the doubt if he needs 3 or 4 weeks we'll give it to him we'll keep him on the active roster because it's, it's 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 Christian McCaffrey right so that's possible the upside for Chuba Hubbard is he plays 4 games the downside the bare minimum is 2 games still 2 games in the middle of the fantasy season these 2 games could swing a playoff outcome for your team or another team so you got to go aggressively pursue Chuba Hubbard Also, because he's explosive, right? We love that. He's explosive and he's been used in the passing game. So if you're going to be explosive and you're going to be heavily used in the passing game, well, that to me is is what we look for in a running back. I mean, those are the things we talk about, right? Is this player running routes and commanding targets? First and foremost, that's what we care about. We care about your passing game activity. Not so much how many carries you're getting. The correlation of carries to fantasy points is much weaker than targets to fantasy points and Chuba Hubbard five targets last week five targets in a game where Christian McCaffrey played early so you could project six targets for Chuba Hubbard last week if he's going to be getting five to six targets that's top 10 in the league in target share among running backs it's excellent and he had 11 carries to Royce Freeman's five, but remember, the game was out of hand. At one point, they were up at least, well, before that, before that final touchdown, they were up 17-9. So I guess until that final touchdown, you could say, well, it was still a one-score game for most, most of the game. So okay, it was a one-score game most of the game, fine. None of this was in quotes garbage time. 11 carries to five is still significant. That's a hell of a lot better carry distribution for Chuba Hubbard than Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas, right? So you have to love that. I don't think that the week three target share is necessarily going to translate into week four because of all the options they have. They have DJ Moore, and they have Terrace Marshall, and they have Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson's not going to remain completely marginalized forever, So because they have three quality receivers, projecting a big target share for a bench running back, a backup running back. Now, Chuba Hubbard could have been, had he come out in the draft in 2020, a round two pick. He's a round two talent, just happened to fall to the fourth round. Knowing that, he's not really a backup, right? I know he's always a backup, he's a day three pick, eh, right? That's not really what he is. Royce Freeman is that. Royce Freeman is definitively a backup in the league. Like, that's been decided. So far, what we've seen from Chuba Hubbard is he's not that straight-line-ish, underutilized option in the passing game that was Tevin Coleman. He's looking a lot more versatile, and for all those reasons, the idea that you could get two consecutive RB1 performances in in week four and in week five, I mean, green light. So green light to bid aggressively on Chuba Hubbard for all those reasons. I like Chuba Hubbard. I like explosive running backs that melted faces in college. Of all those reasons, I like Tevin Coleman coming out. I like Tevin Coleman coming out of Indiana. So was like this guy has potential to be a top five fantasy running back given these raw skills that he's bringing to the table. Look at him just explode through the hole and score an 80-yard touchdown. Like look at him catch the ball out of the backfield squirt to the outside, and explode up the sideline. You love seeing that. You love seeing that from Chuba Hubbard at Oklahoma State. I was encouraged. I have some Chuba Hubbard in Dynasty for that reason, and now we're seeing it already. We're seeing it. This is why. This is why. This is the upside that you chase at running back, especially in Dynasty. This guy was a mega producer. This guy's an athlete, and he has the requisite size to succeed in a primary back role. He's 210 pounds that's all you're looking for I mean he is a close comp to Devin Coleman every time I look up and I look at his height his weight his explosiveness I'm like Jesus this guy's this guy's Devin Coleman he's just not quite as fast but he's better in the passing game he's a slicker receiver and I'll take I'll take the slickness in the passing game to the pure speed any day any day So that's the big excitement. That's the big excitement. The big excitement is, hey, Chuba Hubbard, free square, RB1 for a couple weeks. Potentially. Potentially. And then after that, it's like, well, what else we got? At running back, we got nothing. We got nothing. At Peyton Barber, I maybe, 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 maybe Josh Jacobs misses another game. I think that Josh Jacobs is close to returning, which would put Peyton Barber back in the bottle. But he's technically the primary back. It's not... Not Kenyon Drake. Sorry, Kenyon Drake truthers. I know the Kenyon Drake truthers. They've been hanging around for a long time. Since Kenyon Drake was in Miami. This guy deserves more touches. Oh, fuck Adam Gaze. Right? And it's like, nah, man. He's not that good. He wasn't that good at Alabama. I don't know what you're talking about. Alex Collins is someone you need to roster just because Chris Carson could miss a week. He strained his hamstring. They're calling it cramps. Right? They're calling it cramps. But see, that's what happens. Sometimes you strain a hamstring because it's dehydrated. In fact, the way that you prevent hamstring strains is to stay as hydrated as possible. That's the first question they ask. How much water have you been drinking after you strain a hamstring? Yeah, of course, it, it, it's both. It can be both a strain and a cramp. So just be careful dismissing it as cramps. So deep leagues, you stash Travis Homer. You stash DJ Dallas. It's crazy, but you, th- we have to jump into action when we see... Running backs, especially running backs on high-scoring, high-octane teams, experience any kind of injury, no matter how mild, no matter how dismissive the coaches are, you go in and you soak up all those running backs and put put them on your bench. I'm going to be putting DJ Dallas on my bench. He's who I'm adding in the Scott Fish Bowl, just for example. Now, here's the player I really want to talk about. At running back, I really want to talk about J.J. Taylor, because J.J. Taylor's a player I have in every Dynasty league. You name the league. If it's deep, if it's Dynasty, I have J.J. Taylor. Because J.J. Taylor, he's as similar to Chris Thompson as Chuba Hubbard is to Tevin Coleman in a good way. In a good way. I mean, look at J.J. Taylor, man. J.J. Taylor has incredible agility. He has enough speed. He's not super fast. But he runs a 4'6", which actually, for a running back, that's 40th percentile. Not bad. And in college absolute stud this guy ran for 1400 yards at the college level and also has a season with 32 receptions at the college level so he was a dominant receiver out of the backfield for a season at Arizona and then he was a dominant runner and that's more than Chris Thompson ever did at Florida State that's more than most of these satellite backs that find fringe fantasy relevance Theo Riddick I mean Chris Thompson. Uh, Danny Woodhead was an RB1 in fantasy. Chris Thompson was an RB1. Theo Riddick was an RB2. In PPR leagues, players like JJ Taylor are very interesting, fascinating. James White was a top 20 fantasy running back before he got hurt. And of all the backfields in the league, the one that we know is a specialist backfield, it's been a specialist backfield since Corey Dillon was the running back in New England. We know that the Patriots want to put Particular players in particular roles. Now, this this does increase the ceiling for Damian Harris. I'm trying to trade for Damian Harris. I want Damian Harris. He could be Corey Dillon. Like, he could be the next Corey Dillon. That's in his range of outcomes. Maybe they don't trust J.J. Taylor the way they did James White. So, need to go get, absolutely need to go get Damian Harris, knowing that he could be the first Patriots running back to command a 70% opportunity share since Corey Dillon and he does have an all-purpose skill set. The ceiling is very high with Damian Harris. But we don't know. So you lean into the unknown. We don't know how the touches will be distributed. So you go get Damian Harris and trade. And you go pick up, go pick up J.J. Taylor. Go do it. You can get him for nothing. Nobody knows this guy. He got multiple targets last week after James White went down. He even got a carry. These are the little things. The little things we pay attention to when we're checking the the advanced box scores on playerprofiler.com. What was his snap share, right? Oh, wow. How many routes did he run out of the backfield? We have all of that data on playerprofiler.com. J.J. Taylor exceeded most people's expectations, and they're not going to be looking under those rocks. No one's looking at J.J. Taylor's route participation, except you people, the people that are actually tuning into this particular show on the Player Profiler podcast network because you care about the advanced stats around J.J. Taylor and what that could mean for his usage and who you're going to pick up for fantasy football, I'm going to get J.J. Taylor. At receiver, we have maybe the sneakiest week for wide receiver pickups you're going to find. Emmanuel Sanders, we've been pounding the table for Emmanuel Sanders because of the air yards for two consecutive weeks. You're welcome. You already have him, so you don't need to get Emmanuel Sanders. I hope you started him. Number two, because you want to chase... Target share and role, especially for teams that weren't throwing early in the in the season. Marquez Callaway is an alpha. He was the leading receiver and the target leader once again last week, but the Saints didn't need to throw at all. Right? They essentially blew out the Patriots. It wasn't a game. Jameis Winston threw the ball less than 25 times. You can't glean anything from the counting stats from those games. OK, that's not what you care about. What you want is the target share. It's the same reason why we're homing in on a Nelson Aguilar, right? So from that game, you have Jacoby Myers, who I'm targeting in trade because he had more than 10 targets, didn't get the yardage, didn't get the counting stats, but he got the double-digit targets and they face one of the worst secondaries in the league in what is going to be either a shootout or a game with copious garbage time for the Patriots, where it's a blowout, Tom Brady just pulls out his penis, and then Mac Jones has to struggle down double digits in the second half and just feed Aguilar and Myers, and hopefully J.J. Taylor targets. That's the idea. So you could chase last week's counting stats, right? You could chase Tim Patrick... Because he almost went to 100 yards and, and, oh, K.J. Hamler went down, law of the conservation of targets, even though K.J. Hamler wasn't getting any targets anyway. And then you look up the schedule and, oh, Tim Patrick's going to be playing Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And w- when the, the Denver defense meets the Baltimore defense, when the Denver defense meets the Pittsburgh defense, what do you think's going to happen? No points will be scored. So that's a low upside play. Whereas you look at Nelson Aguilar, he had the eight targets. Right? He had the target share, just didn't get the production. The targets are going to go up even more in shootout game conditions against the Buccaneers and a much weaker secondary than they faced in New Orleans. This is why you want Patriots pass catchers heading into week four. And the one that's available, other than J.J. Taylor, on most waiver wires is Nelson Aguilar. But the beauty of a player like Marquez Calloway Is that he produced last week, even though he faced one of the most difficult secondaries. You could argue the Patriots are an even more stifling secondary than the Saints, right? They have one of the best cornerback duos in the league, and he was seeing a lot of Stephon Gilmore. Well, right? Who does he face this week? Well, yes, James Bradbury is there in New York, but New York has a weaker secondary. So this is a get-right week for... The Patriots passing game, it's a get-right week for Marquez Callaway, and he is Jameis Winston's number one, and he's a true alpha. So rather than chasing auxiliary options who posted counting stats in week three, look at who has the alpha roles, who's commanding the target shares, and whose schedule is easing, and that's Marquez Callaway. That's Brian Edwards. Those are two... Under-the-radar priority ads at wide receiver where you have the right role with a player with huge athletic, size-adjusted athleticism and the upside if the game shoots out, if the quarterback has to actually turn up the dial on the pass attempts, oh baby, look out for Marquez Calloway, look out for Brian Edwards. Jalen Rager's also interesting. Jalen Rager's explosive. He is the number one for Jalen Hurts, but... This passing game looks anemic, unless it's the garbage time of the garbage time. Jalen Hurts is incompetent. I hate it. I hate every part of it. But hey, Rager is the number one there right now. He's commanding more targets than Devontae Smith. He's also a first-round pick. He has the experience. If I'm going to throw a dart on a wide receiver with upside and I can't get Callaway or Edwards, I'm going to go Jalen Rager. I'm going to go all those guys before I'm going to go Tim Patrick. I'm also stashing Rashad Bateman. He's practicing. He becomes the best receiver on Baltimore the moment he steps foot on the football field. One of the best prospect profiles at a wide receiver we've seen in a long time. He was just overshadowed by Jamar Chase. Had Jamar Chase not been in that draft class, Rashad Bateman would have been the class of that draft class. You probably already picked up KJ Osborne in deep leagues. He might be dropped. You got to watch out for KJ Osborne and Rondale Moore getting dropped. They could be unceremoniously dropped, and then you go and scoop them. You got to be just monitor the waiver wire and who's getting dropped. Monitor the transaction log on the waiver wire and see if KJ Osborne and or Rondale Moore gets dropped, especially Rondale Moore. DeAndre Hopkins is not right, and I'm going to talk to Ian Harditz about that today. We're going to go talk to him on the Mind of Mansion show shortly and see what his thoughts are on DeAndre Hopkins and Rondale Moore. Van Jefferson, we talked about this earlier. His route participation much higher than Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson gave you the counting stats, but Van Jefferson still has that number three role in Los Angeles. That matters. Alamade Zacchias has the number two role in Atlanta. They're a pass heavy team because they have to be. James Washington. James Washington will be a number two. In Pittsburgh, if Juju Smith-Schuster misses any time, Deontay Johnson's injury looks like a multi-week injury. So James Washington, just because, hey, if you're going to play in that number two role, even if it's Ben Roethlisberger and he's complete dust, you want that guy, right? You want that guy. You want to go stash that guy and see what happens, especially in these deep leagues. We have a lot of people now playing in leagues where you start four, five, sometimes even six receivers. Players like Alameda Zacchaeus and James Washington in number two roles. On teams that are forced to throw the ball, they're worth adding. And and the fringiest, the fringiest of all, has to be Freddie Swain because if Dwayne Eskridge remains out, he's the number three in Seattle. And you just, you want number twos and number threes because number ones aren't available. But number twos and number threes on high octane offenses, when they come available, player like Freddie Swain, he has speed. He can go boom. He can give you a long touchdown. Super deep league, super fringy. I know. But as long as Dwayne Eskridge remains out, Freddie Swain remains a guy that you can throw in there as a Hail Mary. Now, this is an interesting week for tight end. This was finally, we have an interesting week for tight end because we have a Tyler Conklin breakout week where he was the number two receiver behind Justin Jefferson. And when you watch that game, wow, did he look smooth out there. He looked like a receiver and they played him at receiver. They played him out wide. They played him in the slot. They played him all over. He's super versatile. His snap share, his route participation rate is up there with the top tight ends in the league. And he's a top eight tight end, right? He also has the size and the athleticism to get down the seam in, when the team is between the 20s, but then also to play in line. He has the size and the blocking skills to be trusted in line, especially down by the goal line and running situations where he can leak out For touchdowns on bootlegs. So you love to see that from Tyler Conklin. And because he has the size and he has the athleticism, and now it's clear that he has the football skills after three weeks, you can definitively say that he's better than Irv Smith. Irv Smith might come back next year and be more relevant than say O.J. Howard this year, but I mean, it's over. It's over for Irv Smith. Like he's lost that job. The primary tight end job in Minnesota for the foreseeable future for the next few years is going to be Tyler Conklin. It's a big deal. And Dawson Knox is even more athletic than Tyler Conklin. He's produced at a similar level to Tyler Conklin, and he's even more athletic than Tyler Conklin. So it's just exciting to see Conklin and Knox step up. And the beauty is, because your league mates will be chasing those two touchdowns from from Dalton Schultz, those aren't sustainable. Blake Jarwin is still commanding a significant snap share and route participation rate. Michael Gallup's going to be back in a few weeks. Dalton Schultz is not an ad that will endure. And there's probably two teams out there chasing tight ends on the waiver wire. Let them get Schultz, and then you can bid up Tyler Conklin. And if you don't get Conklin, no problem. Dawson Knox. Underdog Best Ball Resurrection, brand new best ball tournament, weeks 6 through 14. You got to get in there. You got to get on it. UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code UNDERWORLD, get you that $10 instant deposit match. Let's go.